0: Welcome to the 90s Kid Book Club Podcast, where we indulge in nostalgia, dust off our favorite books from growing up, and discuss how they shaped a generation. Hey, we're your hosts. I'm Monica. And I'm Amy. And we are not scholars, authors, historians... We're just two 90s kids who love talking about it with each other and now with you. So, welcome to 90s Kid Book Club. Hey, Amy.
1: How are you? Oh, living the dream. Yeah. We're together. Yeah. So, I like it. I realize we haven't shared much of like the behind the scenes of how we do this or like how we get together. Like, we alluded last week that, you know, you get to sit there and we drink champagne, but. We don't drink champagne every time no. we get together,
0: <laughs> and you could hear in that episode that we were we were very excited towards the end. But usually, it's a Sunday morning coffee chat, and yeah. that Sunday just
1: was yeah. a special one, I guess. And then today we, we're switching it up a little bit, and we're doing a Saturday morning. So
0: nothing is consistent
1: ever in my life. So yeah, me neither. I mean, we're adults. Yeah, we got things going on
0: yeah i'm also not one of those people that likes routine and likes things the same all the time a lot of people are that way and find comfort in it i find it really stifling and i'd rather just like flex and go with the flow and like approach things as they come up which is why i'm in the perfect job because i've been in operations like business operations for i don't know like six years now And I can't say any single week was the same as the past week ever.
1: (laughs) I do like having like a morning routine. Mm -hmm. Like when I wake up, I like having certain things that I do regularly. Yeah. So I don't really think about it when I'm half awake in the morning. I can kind of just go with the flow like, oh, now is the time Mm -hmm. for my coffee. Now is the time to water the garden. Now is the time to let the dogs out. Yeah. Even that I don't have a, I don't have a rhythm. But it's funny that you say, it. you're like, I like to be more laid back. I'm like giggling to myself because I remember describing myself to people back in the day. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm chill. I'm laid back. And it's like, no, no, you're not. <laughs>
0: like, the most uptight, chill person you'll ever meet. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's only about certain things. We all have our things.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, I'm only a controlling bitch about some things. Yeah.
0: And I am too, but about very different things.
1: But when I did leave my, my last team, they all wrote little comments about me. One of the common themes was laid back. I oh, thought that was funny okay. because I don't see myself as that, but yeah. maybe I am exuding that, which is great.
0: Yeah, it's always funny what feedback you get from other people. And it's like, oh, I don't see myself like that at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got feedback once at a work thing that they saw me as like a good coach. Oh, like coaching others yes. and I was like that's brand new to me that's news I had no idea I was doing that but I guess those are the jobs that you should have or the ones that you're just like naturally doing what you need to be doing and it's not like going outside of your
1: comfort zone yeah
0: flexing outside of what's natural for you so yeah um okay so it is a Saturday morning I've been up four hours, because I have a four-year-old. We've already made a fort, broken down the fort, played with Orbeez. I saw them on the counter, yeah. It's one of those toys that I don't love doing. Like, I've I've packaged them up and hidden them in a drawer, and only if she specifically asked will I bring them out. And it must have come up at school or something, because she specifically asked. So I pulled them out, I let her play with them, but they get everywhere they take hours to make because it's like these silica balls that you put in water and it soaks up all the water so basically we did that overnight and then this morning she wanted to play with them but she's like sticking her hands in them and moving them from one container to another and it got all over the floor all over the counter so not only was i making and breaking down an entire fort in my living room i was picking up individual orbeez off the ground I just got a new vacuum, which I know I'm an adult because it's so exciting to me that I just got I love a new vacuums. vacuum. I've
1: always loved vacuum. Oh my
0: gosh, I love it. The amount of hair like dog hair and that I'm it's... picking up that I didn't even know was there is horrifying. So um I was able to break out the new vacuum and suck up these orbeez but I'm like, it's just constantly cleaning up, making a mess. And cleaning up again
1: hey the movements good for you though I've been going down a little rabbit hole related to the garden mm-hmm. I've been going down a rabbit hole about blue zones which are these areas there's five areas of the world that hold the oldest population so the most amount of people that live over hundred years old they uh, have all these different ways of living but one of the things is that they don't participate in what i call organized exercise yeah. so like they don't go to the gym they don't do they, go, they don't go to workout classes they don't do any of what we have in modern day society they fulfill that exercise need and that move that need for movement in their everyday life right. by playing with their kids by kneading bread by hand by mm-hmm. making corn ta- tortillas by hand that take you know, all day. Yeah. Um, but everything is there's a process, yeah, to everything that you're doing throughout the day. Um, and I definitely relate to that more. I don't, as an adult especially, don't enjoy organized exercise. I know that's a weird term. That's kind of the rabbit hole I've been going down. Is how do I, how do I, make the blue zones more conducive to modern day life? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, it's just not going to look like I live in the woods and spend 12 hours making tortillas. Well,
0: and it's also, it's kind of a a shift in mindset. I don't necessarily enjoy home making. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I just never have. I mean, my sink constantly has dishes brimming up to the top.
1: It's on my list of things to do today.
0: I enjoy cleaning when I'm very stressed or emotional, but otherwise, like if I'm happy and cool, like cleaning's not what I'm going to find enjoyment in. I don't, I hate cooking. I don't cook. I hate cooking. Feeding my family is the most stressful thing in my
1: life. (laughs) That is a big stress, like a big stressor in our household is what are we going to eat throughout the week, Monday through Friday. So like Saturday and Sundays Blaine and I will usually like I'll either come up with something I want to make or he'll come up with something he wants to make like last weekend he decided on Saturday it was going to be a rib day so he spent like four hours you know smoking ribs which was amazing but we don't, we don't have time to do any of those really good meals that we love Monday through Friday
0: even if I had time. Like, you can make time for things that you enjoy. I don't
1: enjoy cooking. Yeah. You know, when you spend eight hours doing something, like sitting at a desk, it takes all of my energy from all the things that I even do enjoy. It sucks. So, yeah. Anyways. um, Yeah, I was
0: proud of myself this morning. I got um, a loaf of sourdough bread. Ooh. That's in the blue zones, by the way. It was pretty hefty slices that barely fit in my toaster. I felt a little self-conscious about it once I cut them so thick. But the way that I cut, you know, they kind of score the middle of the loaf and it pops open. The way that I cut it and the way they had scored it, It looked like a little bunny ear. It was like a a round side, and then the other side had like a triangle coming up. It looked like a bunny. It made me really happy. It's like (laughs) like small (laughs) things. There's a lot going on right now, but my sourdough looks like a bunny, and that makes me so happy. But I was so proud of myself. I cut sourdough. I toasted it. I was cutting... Uh, heirloom tomatoes, like these big, oh, big yes, Whole Foods heirloom tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we splurged and went to Whole Foods. I got these heirloom tomatoes, not just little, yeah, normal
1: caprice tomatoes. Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, as I was cutting it, cut the shit out of my finger.
1: Oh, like I'm scared to even look
0: how deep it went down because. It was pretty bad. It didn't bleed a lot, but I felt the knife go in further than it absolutely should have. Like, I know it's a pretty bad cut. And Josh was in the basement, and Lily was so concerned about me. She was trying to help. She was getting all the Band-Aids out. So I have a Elsa from Frozen Band-Aid on my Aww. finger right now. But once I tasted the sandwich, I put olive oil, I put balsamic vinegar, salt and pepper, these tomatoes on the sourdough.
1: Definitely.
0: It didn't even taste good. Mm. It's like, this is why I hate cooking. (laughs) I literally cut my finger open making this sandwich. I splurged on all the ingredients and the tomato tasted like nothing.
1: I am gonna find out what your flavor palette is. Like what you like in terms of taste. And I'm just going to give – I'll try the recipes first. Okay. And then I will send you all the good ones. And then you'll know, like, okay, this is a 6 out of 10 recipe. Right. You know, (laughs) this is an 8 out of 10 recipe. Well,
0: and that's the hard thing with my family is I eat vegetarian. I also have a growing 4-year-old that I have to feed, and I don't force vegetarianism on her. She ends up eating vegetarian some of the time just because I'm eating it and it's around. But I don't force it by any means. She can do whatever she wants, and she'll make that choice later. Um, but I'm, I'm feeding my husband, who's a meat eater, I'm vegetarian and a growing four year old, and we all have different tastes. So it's like, I don't know how anyone does it, to be honest, like, I... unless you're feeding yourself. How do you and I remember enjoying it more when I lived alone,
1: because it was just you it was just that, that you were it was accommodating, whatever I yeah. wanted.
0: And I wouldn't end up eating like chickpeas and feta cheese for a meal and be totally satisfied with it. But I can't feed my family that as a meal.
1: Speaking of chickpeas, I'm growing chickpeas right now. I didn't know this, but fun fact, chickpeas and garbanzo beans are the same mm-hmm. thing. I did not know that. Yeah. So I kept Googling chickpea seeds, was like, where are their chickpea seeds? And nothing would show up. And then finally I was like, well, I'll just sacrifice it and I'll do garbanzo beans. And then it turns out they're the same thing. But um, they take forever to grow. Really? I'm not used to that. Most beans are pretty quick. Like beans are like 45 day crops. But these garbanzo beans have been in there since June, I looked it up this morning, June 25th, and it is September 9th, so it feels like they've been in there forever, but they're, I did the math, they shouldn't be ready until October 3rd, so we're still good.
0: Well, um, I guess you want to hop right into this week's topic. So, this week, we are revisiting Animorphs, the series of books that ran from 1996 to 2001. A total of 54 books, plus spinoffs, which is wild. I had no idea.
1: And all one story, which I think is very important to note because it's rare that you have a series that is so large. And it's all one story. Yeah.
0: Like each book isn't encapsulated and wrapped up like a Bob's Burgers episode. Which
1: would have been nice to know when I chose um, book 46 to start with. And
0: I chose book <laughs> 33. So that gives you a little bit of understanding of where we're coming from. Um, but many of you may remember the book covers themselves because they were iconic. They were always at Scholastic Book Fairs. Part of that is that it was published by Scholastic. Um, but it had the kind of kid morphing into some odd animal covers and so you got the still of like one still at a time of it slowly morphing into an animal and they had holographic covers and they were iconic so we randomly chose books again not knowing that this was one continuous story which is wild that 54 books is one entire story but it all takes place during this war and so they say basically each one of these books is kind of a battle within that war so who's ultimately going to win the aliens or the humans the aliens are here trying to take over earth and there are these kids that are tasked with making sure that doesn't happen pretty much yeah Mm -hmm. so all books are credited to ka applegate which in reality was a husband and wife Team of authors:
1: Catherine and Michael.
0: Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. And then, apparently, starting at book like twenty-five or so, so about halfway through the series, they started getting ghost writers. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is because Catherine, the wife of the husband-wife duo, got pregnant. They had a young child and needed help writing
1: oh my gosh
0: she also had other obligations they had other writing obligations so just balancing it all I was
1: gonna say I did some of my own research about the authors just to get an idea um didn't I didn't read that part so that was awesome um but I did read that this also wasn't their only long series that they regularly wrote there was another series that they're well known for um, I wish I wrote it down. Um, they
0: wrote it together?
1: They they wrote it together, and it was another long series of books.
0: Can you imagine writing a book with your husband?
1: Absolutely not.
0: I, I mean, can't... I love
1: my husband, but we have two, like, very different styles of writing, even. Like, I don't know how yeah. we would mesh those two things. It's such an odd career move good for them good for them i mean their marriage lasted through that too like yeah i would have been like no the andalites are gonna win this war and she's like no the yorks are
0: yeah i i can't imagine i mean i can't even imagine working with josh much less writing it's yeah
1: bizarre well i can tell you i have brought up so many different like dream job opportunities to blaine and some of them have involved like us having to work together mm-hmm. but it's like he has his specific right. duty and i have my specific duty like opening up a private pharmacy like your own pharmacy you know that type of thing out in the country something like that yeah um which by the way blaine has no interest in but oh, i would like that
0: you know i can stock some shelves uh-huh. yeah <laughs> run the business he'll do all the
1: he can do it all <laughs>
0: So, uh, as Amy mentioned, the alien slugs in this series, the bad guys, are the Yerks. And then this group of kids, it's five teenagers, Jake, Rachel, Cassie, Marco, and Tobias, have all gotten this magical power alien technology that allows them to transform into animals in order to fight the Yerks, which is a very strange power to give... How is that going to – that's just a very odd power to give kids, to expect them to save the whole planet.
1: And they're supposedly – so the Andalites gave this technology to the kids. Mm -hmm. And supposedly they're the only, like, species within the universe that have this power, this capability. Um. But there is a catch like something out and we'll get into rules of morphing because I had to look into it. I had no idea what the parameters were of all of this, but um, they definitely talk about uh, one of the drawbacks of morphing is if they morph and there's a yerk anywhere in their vicinity the yerk will actually morph with them
0: what? so it's like they
1: the yerk's mind morphs in with the kid's mind what? as well and it will and then the yerk actually has insight into the kid's mind uh, so then it like you know in terms of battles yeah, that's a big deal you can't have the enemy in your head
0: Wow, I that did not come up at all in the book that I read.
1: It wasn't into well, it didn't come up in my book, um, but I did a lot of side research because I started at book forty six. <laughs> I've tried so hard to make sense of this, um, and so I had lots of questions, like yeah. like what are you know how do they morph and and what are the parameters of this? So uh, just to give a little background, they can morph into any animal that they touch, but they can't morph longer than two hours or else they get stuck as that animal or as that morph. Um they also have some really cool background info. Like if they morph into something that's smaller than what they are. So like say you morph into a bug or like an ant or something like yeah. that, which is much smaller than a human, they actually have an explanation for where that your mass, your extra mass no would go. They call it Z-space yes that's cool this is a whole universe yeah it's crazy to me because i was not i'd never read anamorphs as a kid when i was reading book 46 having no background knowledge i was like this sucks what the fuck is this even texted monica at one and was just like yeah probably not gonna finish this like no way um but then i I felt the same way even in
0: number 33 which is earlier in the series than what you did but the terms that were thrown out so yeah. casually and I had no bearing or understanding for them I yeah. was like this is learning a new language
1: and I if I'm going to be completely honest I um the judgmental controlling bitch that I am <laughs> I don't like books that come up with their own language usually so I was not ever really a huge fan of Dr. Seuss was not really a huge fan of Harry Potter really? was not a huge fan of Animorphs I'm not a huge fan of if I can't read the main character's name yeah and pronounce it yeah in my head if i can't do that
0: that's a problem i can't read your book yeah. <laughs> like
1: like i remember the first time reading harry potter and reading like some of the names in there and i was just like oh no we're done like we're done
0: <laughs> yeah so and any it, fantasy sci-fi stuff probably off the
1: list pretty much um which i'm happy you brought that up because i really wanted to try and do Animorphs some justice mm-hmm. um i know that there's a big following of Animorphs, I know that there are some die-hard Animorph fans, and so I really wanted to make sure that we did them a little justice. Yeah. Um, but it definitely is a book that is hard to get through. When I started to look at the words that I didn't understand, I I I looked into the background of how K. A. Applegate came up with these names mm-hmm. that I can't pronounce. That threw me off track. Um, and she was saying that they were really just simple, everyday words that she rearranged into things that kind of rolled off her tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she came up with things like Northlet, Andalite. Yerks actually came from Lord of the Rings. She has a uh, lot uh, of Lord of the Ring references throughout Animorphs, which I thought was really cool. Yeah,
0: My dad read me Lord wouldn't. of the Rings
1: as a kid, so that, I was big with Lord of the Rings, but
0: but this is a second to third grade reading level they're not going to get the
1: and that's another thing k.a applegate said that she never wrote this with the intention of it going to third or fifth graders she writes all of her books just as writing them she doesn't consider whether her adult audience or whether her audience is adult or kids that's and that's why Wild. when Nickelodeon decided to do their show of all of this, yeah. she actually had a hard time with it because she feels that, and a lot of the, the followers of the Animorphs feel that these topics are really deep they and are. dark. Yeah. And then they tried to make it into a kid-type friendly thing, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that were diehard Animorph fans were mad about it. Yeah. Understandably so. Like, you can't take something like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something else dark, like Scream, and try and make that kid friendly. Right. You know? Um, Yeah,
0: some of the the themes in the book is obviously war. The entire book series happens over a war over Earth. But there's also these, like, identity, humanization-type themes. Um, They explore like mental health and what it is to be sane and what's your mind and how do you take on aspects of others and have others in your head, morality, innocence, leadership, because the main dude, I think Jake, yeah, really Jake's has to step up as a leader. But also family and what's their connection to humankind now that they're not really it's a part of the like world bigger, anymore. It's bigger, broader
1: topics these things than are for huge. a third grader to kind of conceptualize.
0: Yes. Yeah, so the core themes are pretty heavy, and I know that's why kids loved it at the time, is because it doesn't treat these things trivially, and it's so casually, just like in my book, um, Tobias gets trapped in this glass cube by the yerks and is tortured for like 20 pages literally tortured like they would hit a button that would give him the worst pain imaginable and then hit another button that would make him like as happy as he's ever been so that there's that oh there's like torture it like yeah it's legit fucking torture. you up in the head and i mean it was just i don't even know how long he was there like days i don't think they were clear on the timeline but for a long time he was literally tortured in order to give up whatever they were asking for, the information, whatever. So, yeah, it is it is pretty dark. And I guess the thing is when you're a small kid, you kind of overlook – like you don't feel it in the we, same you way. You don't
1: conceptualize life that way no. yet. You know, there right. isn't there, – there's only how, you know, you can only go so deep when you're nine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even you if know. you've experienced some trauma, mm-hmm. like I just don't think – emotionally you are sophisticated enough to kind of empathize
1: to see it from holistically yeah yeah
0: yeah so i i think it's big concepts and kids were like that's so cool that they're approaching any of this but it is really large themes and i i thought it was kind of cool i in that same uh text thread that amy was referencing i was like yeah i don't know if i'm gonna be able to get through this either It's a lot of exposition. It's a lot of explanation. It was so clear that there was so much other stuff that had happened to lead me to where I was. But then once I kind of got my bearings, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I actually thoroughly enjoyed myself. I liked the book. It felt like it ended really abruptly for me, but then also knowing that it's a series and there's more to come makes sense. Um, There also was a video game adapted from the series. There was a TV series.
1: There were toys Everything. all over. It was It was
0: a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually watched a couple episodes of the TV series. I did too. And also loved it and thoroughly enjoyed myself. So as hesitant as I was to love this, I loved the diversity of the characters. I loved their interactions together the cgi and graphics were so bad and
1: i loved so it so bad much. i did too i did too <laughs> okay no and also okay so i i kept some notes while watching the first episode of the show okay and there were a few things that i wanted to note one of them is this was one of the only sci-fi shows that were that was really available at this time. The other ones included um Alex Mack. Do you remember Alex Mack? And she like legit like morphed into into Capri Sun. (laughs) It was Capri Sun. It was Capri Sun. Because that's exactly what they did in the Capri Sun commercials as well. Um and Alien Strange was another um Somebody else online I was tra- when I was looking up sci-fi kids shows also included are you afraid of the dark? That was another one that I really enjoyed but not necessarily sci-fi more paranormal yeah. in my book uh-huh. um, but it just goes to show that it the the options of sci-fi were pretty limited at that time. If right. they're debating are you afraid of the dark is included in that yeah it was a limited selection right So that's one thing but, the episode opens up with a scene of the kids sitting in what's supposed to be an arcade, yes. and they're sitting on these lime green boxy computers that yes. I know we used. Yes. We used computers older than that, yeah, even. they were huge. Um, But it's hilarious because they're sitting there, and they're on these boxy computers, but then also one of the very first characters is a golden retriever, I which know. is the 1990s family dog. Yeah. Like, that was the only dog that was really in anything, yeah. but also Dogs were a huge part of 1990s culture, kid content. We had Wishbone, we had Airbud, we had 101 Dalmatians, Cat Dog, Beethoven, Homeward Bound. So many kids' movies that were just about dogs You're right. um so that was huge when i saw that i was just it brought me back immediately i was just like oh my god a golden retriever on tv like and how 90s
0: that was some good dog acting their too. big
1: puffy jackets which are now coming back like the yeah. oversized jackets oversized hoodies a lot of denim um, lots denim of denim, denim denim
0: overalls with a denim
1: legs on your pants you yeah. know like all of that oh the hair great. that's
0: parted in the middle and then kind of like oh when you leave your, your little your, yes. your pull out
1: hang what did we used to call those
0: oh. i don't know those it's like your rat- layers thing. though we yeah. would get
1: layers that framed your face quote unquote <laughs> and you just pull them out and have them in front of your face but um yes so those imme- i mean immediately throwing the show on it, the show was not received well. It only lasted two seasons.
0: I'm surprised. I thought it was fine. <laughs> I I liked
1: it. Um, I mean, yeah, it wasn't bad. When I was a, I was a big Nickelodeon kid. I watched a lot of Nickelodeon as a kid. Mm-hmm. I did not like Animorphs. Um, See, I so did.
0: I didn't even read the liked books, the show? Loved the show, wow. but I was also a huge Sean Ashmore fan. Yes! Yes! He, he was definitely a crush. Well, and he, he was also... Him. What was the
1: other shows that he was in? Because when I pulled up the show, like, when I he's in the opening scene yeah. of the first episode and when i saw his face i was like oh he was in so many things i feel like that were through nickelodeon he
0: was in cadet kelly which was disney. that was it disney that was it that's what he's i'm thinking he's in x-men oh okay. he was in that movie frozen where they're stuck on a ski lift
1: oh uh, did
0: you ever see it? it's Mm-mm. like a horror movie they're stuck on a ski lift i think uh, yeah chaos ensues um it's like they get they hop on the ski lift while the storm's coming in and they're shutting down the slopes and then they're literally stuck on the lift and one of them tries to hop down to get help and like breaks all his legs because he's oh my god it's (laughs) awful breaks all his legs it's uh (laughs) all of them all of them all of them yeah but he's in some stuff he's in some stuff and i did a little bit of creeping on his socials and he's happily married and has a kid and oh. he's been with his wife for like 13 years and i'm like good, good for him. him Good for a nickelodeon didn't ruin up. his life good yeah.
1: good for you sean ashmore Unlike we're disney. a fan disney ruined all their kids lives <laughs> <laughs> Josh kidding um one cool thing about Animorphs the show that i found out each morph in the show mm-hmm. took six weeks yes Yeah, I thought that was insane. And there's a couple each episode. And nowadays, you know, one thing... We could do it. We could do it. It might not be great because our tech skills, again, you guys, thanks for (laughs) bearing with (laughs) us. But (laughs) we could figure it out. Um, I looked into why they canceled the show.
0: It was too much money.
1: Eventually, they canceled the show due to budget issues. Uh, If you're spending
0: six weeks on one wharf... But
1: on the third year of production of the show... The authors and the producers were entitled to pay increases because something about it being the third season, yeah. they were entitled to a pay increase. And so Nickelodeon decided that the show wasn't profitable enough to justify those budget increases, um, which is crazy. So then I started trying to look into what show replaced them Yeah, on Nickelodeon. Couldn't figure that out. But right around this- i don't think that so at the same time i'm thinking that was even started prior and then kind of ran into 1998 and maybe ended around there but you let me know that i know what did start in 1998 was cat
0: dog 94 alex Mack. that's started. what i so thought were, yeah
1: when was, did they end when did alex Mack end
0: it was four seasons so probably 98 yes yeah. so that's
1: i bet so alex Mack ran into animorphs um Cat Dog though was around that time. And just fun fact about cat dog, I hated cat dog as a kid. What? And here's why. I felt that they ripped me off, that they stole my idea. Oh. I wrote a book in second grade that was published because they would do that in school. Like you would write a yeah, book and they would bring like it to a publisher it. and they yeah. would bind it and they would give it, you know, you oh, would get cool. multiple copies of it. I made a book. It was called Dog Cat.
0: Oh, dog cat! And it
1: was about a dog and a cat, and how they were Combine. best friends. Yeah. And well, they weren't combined uh, in my book. Okay, but it was the same premise. It was the same story. I was in second grade. Then the show comes out, like maybe around third grade, mm-hmm. and I was pissed. So mad! I was so mad. I was like, "How could they do this to me?" <laughs> you know, as if they had any idea of my you know second grade book. But
0: I feel like the '90s I was, was so when mad. that like as seen on tv like gadgets things started where people were like quote-unquote inventing yes stuff. yes and i as a child would come up with all kinds of I ideas and be like i came up with that like i invented that but i mean i didn't yeah like, copyright yeah. it and patent it and like put it on tv but still did you guys that's have
1: like, a thing did you guys have an invention convention no Okay, we had one in fourth grade cool. where it was a whole school event. So every kid had to come up with an invention. You had, like, all year to come up with your invention. Okay, that's awesome. And your, your families would help you make this thing, and then you would bring your prototype to the invention convention at the end of the year. So and everybody you. had, like, a poster board that explained what their thing was. And okay, I was always, this is going to be hilarious, um, but I was a big cleaner as a kid. Like, I loved cleaning stuff. And I took like a Swiffer box and we had a monster thing event at school as well. I made a Swiffer box monster. But then for the invention convention, I took a rubber glove like you would use to do your dishes. Uh And I took a Brillo pad, just the green Brillo part. And I cut them and I put little Brillo pads on each finger and on Uh the palm of the glove so that you could get into skinny glasses and like clean the inside of skinny glasses Fun fact, that's available on the market now. Yeah, I'm sure. Not by me. I'm sure. And it was years later. (laughs) Years later, that's available on the market. And I was like, I was in fourth grade and thought of that. And you guys are legit selling. This is a joke. This is a joke. The
0: one that I thought was stolen from my brain was ice that could fit in a water bottle hole. Oh, like yeah. So you growing could put up, you couldn't put your ice, ice. cubes in a water bottle You're or like right. Gatorade bottle or something because they were too big. Even because the crescent like moon ones, need...
1: ones, you can't. Like yeah. you can't get them in there.
0: It's like we need a like water bottle, and that's definitely around. Isn't oh yeah, box, now so they so have
1: um, You can like all screw kinds it of cool into the bottle
0: shaped ice things. Okay. Now Lily was playing with one this morning with her Orbeez. That was. Uh, bunny It was like an Easter bunnies one. Like a silicone mold for your eyes. There's all kinds of cool stuff.
1: That's now. cute. Um, let's see. Okay, so we've covered the show. We covered a little bit of the book. Um, the other thing we did also touch on, they were going to do a live-action movie of Animorphs. Um, they announced it in 2020, and uh, Catherine and Michael were both involved with the movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Apparently... Shortly after, some sometime in 2021, it was announced that Catherine and Michael were pulling out of production of the movie. Right. Which caused big chaos within the fandom. The Animorphs community. Yes! Um, can you imagine? And they were all concerned that, you know, Catherine and Michael would only pull out if the producers of this movie were taking away vital parts of the of the series. Yeah,
0: because they cited creative differences. So you hear that and you're like, okay, they're gonna wreck it. They're gonna make it awful then. If the authors don't agree with it.
1: And then we haven't heard anything else about it.
0: Well I heard did you get enough um I i saw in 2022 they started script writing. Okay. Was, so there, there's your movement go, so there. Who knows? Um but also I guess the the husband of the duo, the author duo did come back and say like just to be clear we have created different creative differences but we still wish them the best like hope for the best for them not that it was like bad blood They're or like,
1: anything calm down our fans yeah, it's calm okay down. still go see it so Don't we get dox, your money then. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny um let me see
0: You know, there was a bit of an alien you talked about there's there wasn't a lot of sci fi kids shows though, but there was a bit of an alien obsession in the nineties. Like X-Files, like you said, Alex Mack was, I think, somehow related to Aliens. She was an alien or something like that.
1: Xenon. Absolutely. Um, speaking of X-Files, the intro song of the show for Animorphs is basically a ripoff of the (laughs) X-Files song. Um, one of the things that I read on uh, through the Animorphs Reddit community, shout out to y'all. Um, you taught me a lot last night. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that they talked about was how that soundtrack when they that intro song when they hear it now, they they think you know it's even better than X Files. Oh, like it wow, still gives them so that eerie wow. feel to it. Um, but yeah super cool i loved the show i just love that nickelodeon feel when they try and make things scary they have very they use the same sounds in every show like there are the same sounds used in are you afraid of the dark are you afraid of the dark um as well as an animorph.
0: i just loved the the graphics the cgi and the I it really got me the first episode had a few like uh, alien crafts that landed that looked so fake
1: when they when they um so the one of the first scenes of the first episode uh this craft lands i think it's ax actually who like lands to earth in the book oh, series
0: oh in the book yeah in, in the book, book, book. series oh, okay. it's yeah.
1: actually like ax crash lands to earth but in the show it's someone else um, So, in the show, though, they're showing. Yes. They're, yeah, they're so showing. Like,
0: okay, kicking it off.
1: Well, and they're showing, like, right away this door open out of the spacecraft. And it looks like the cheapest airplane ever. Like, it's legit an airplane. You know how they pull out the stairs for an airplane? And, you, and back in yes. the day, you would go on the runway and you'd actually walk up the stairs to get onto your plane that's what they pulled down in the first episode. And it was just like, there's nothing even really sci-fi about this. They threw in some like bright light graphics yeah. <laughs> to try and hide it, and that was about it.
0: And then they they showed, it was so dramatic, the Andalite hooves because they have like hooved yes. feet. Yes. And it was like the amount of footsteps that they showed was <laughs> insane. Like one or two shows us that he's walking down this thing. I guess they were building the suspense. So many hoofs, somebody so hoofs. many hoof shots.
1: <laughs> All about those hoof shots. Going back to the rules of morphing, um, I do want to share a little bit with you guys because, as somebody who had not read Animorphs before, I really had no idea what the what the rules were. Um, and starting on book forty six did not help me. So I looked up some of the rules. You, like I said earlier, you can morph into anything you touch, but there's a two hour limit, and if you don't morph back to your normal form you will stay as that morphed animal in the first book we see that tobias actually gets stuck as a red-tailed hawk and so he's stuck as that for the rest of the series but as i was saying earlier when they morph into something that's smaller their excess mass goes into this thing called z-space um, and in that Z space is also where the Yerk's consciousness can kind of toy with the Animorphs' consciousness and mindset. Um, so it's just absolutely insane the detail that goes into all of this. Um it it does talk a lot about DNA as well throughout their morphing. So, like while the anamorphs um attempt to morph, they're also like Getting portions of the animals' DNA, Um, and uh,
0: which I wonder, what does that mean? (laughs) Like you're just throwing in like medical technical jargon to make it sound legit, but like what does that even mean? And then does it stay with them forever? Does it go away after the two hours?
1: And then also you have these. You know, there's creatures that morph themselves. So, like, caterpillars morph into butterflies, right? So, there's a rule about that as well. If one acquires a creature that undergoes natural metamorphosis, like a caterpillar, the natural morphing would reset the clock, allowing them to demorph. Oh. There's so many rules to it. Like, you can't acquire a morph directly from another person's morph. So, like, if you were to morph into a bird, I can't morph into a bird off of you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um uh it looks like there was something about a mosquito. Let's see. While the anamorphs did attempt to acquire DNA through a mosquito morph, due to Axe's belief that blood acquired through a morph would count as an acquisition, the attempt was not executed and is not believed to be feasible based on the rules. So I guess you can't anything that is fed by blood, I guess.
0: Okay. Because it has another animal's DNA Oh,
1: good catch. Probably, yeah. Multiple DNAs. That would make sense to me. Um, ta- oh, morphing takes time and practice, so um, also when they're under stress, like they feel like they're under attack, they can actually morph quicker okay. and the uh, they can morph quicker with more practice. So somebody who's a new anamorph, they would not be able to morph as quickly, okay. uh, might need extra protection in battle because it would take longer, You know, so you might have to help me out because I'm a newer anamorph one of the other things so they can't morph off of each other um and therefore they must return to their base form first so like you can't morph you know i can't morph into what you're morphed i have to turn into my base form first then i can morph okay
0: okay um
1: but still can't morph off of you would have to morph off like the same thing you morphed off of so like would have to touch that animal as well i guess when you are stuck as an animal like, when you, when, if you morph for longer than two Earth hours and you get stuck as that animal, you are now called a Northlet. And this does happen to Tob- Tobias, as I was saying. Tobias is really important to note because he's a character that I learned um, that the trans community highly identifies with. Hmm. Um, there were a lot of LGBTQ references to the Animorphs. Okay. Um in fact, I even have Catherine noting, the author, she noted in an interview um, that she was just so thrilled that her books identified with the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, th- they like strive on secrecy. So like one one version of these books included on the inside cover of the book, it said, we can't tell you who we are or where we live. Right. It's too risky and we've got to be careful. Be careful so we don't trust anyone because if they find us, well we just won't let them find us. Huh. And so it's like so much of the animoris is about living in stealth, which yeah. I mean as we know there's tons of communities that can identify with that, but one one community I did read about was the LGBTQ community.
0: Well also Tobias stays he morphs into a hawk stays in it longer than 2 hours basically transitions into a hawk and so anytime he morphs he morphs into a human body which isn't even his true form anymore like i see the i see how the trans community could identify with that it's like who am i what am i actually identifying with what's really me can i change who i am or you know who other people think that i am to be who i really feel like i am and in my book in particular I did some research on, like, which – there's 50-something books – which were most important. Yeah. And I found a really great article that was like, read this one, you can skip this one, this one's okay, but this one you absolutely need to read. And apparently mine, book number 33, was a really pivotal one, an important oh, one. Oh, great. And it was – um when tobias was being tortured a lot of that was going through his head he felt like he lost who he was altogether because he was like relying upon his bird self that was more stronger like intellectually and emotionally but then he would kind of go back to being tobias the person and it was this internal struggle and towards the end he just was like ripped apart and felt like there was nothing left
1: and it sounds like that internal struggle from tobias follows throughout the book from like book one or throughout the series from book one forward sounds like even through book 33 mm-hmm. because in the third book going back to the lgbt community um lgbtq community in the third book tobias attempts a form of red tail hawk suicide what? by flying at speed like a at a speeding bullet speed into a brick wall Oh my God. and then towards a glass skylight the intervention of a few friends keep him from killing himself and ruining the body that he's found himself trapped in so really what would have happened is he would have ruined that body but he still would have been stuck with it um
0: oh the- yeah because when you when you morph it heals your body mm-hmm. but he was really a hawk not morphed into exactly
1: a hawk. so he was going to be stuck as a hawk um and it talks just about how Tobias. you know the books are written for children um and the book doesn't straight out say that tobias was trapped in the wrong body and wanted to kill himself but that is very much like wow. the theme of what that is mm-hmm. um I mean i think just that concept in general is just so heavy um and yeah so i can see how that you know that community would identify with this
0: well it's so strange to say that you didn't think you were writing this book for teens but it's written about teens and from the perspective of teens
1: she says that um when they first were like kind of mapping out this book the they wanted to have kids in it, but the they didn't feel that by having kids as their main characters, that that made it a kids book. Mm. And I mean, there are books that are like Stephen King is a huge example of this. he writes a lot of books that yeah, are so, focused too. on children as the main character, but they're not, not books right. for kids, it's, not yeah, at you're all you are Right, you're right. Like, never let my kid read Pet Cemetery. Okay. I read it in sixth grade. I don't recommend anyone read that in sixth grade. <laughs> But we'll do one on We'll do an episode on that one day.
0: <laughs> I will say the the writing is interesting. I had to adjust to it quite a bit. It's a lot of onomatopoeias and like saying words that sound like the thing you're trying to describe. Yeah, zings. yeah zings. lots of zings, zings. and zooms <laughs> and um she the author I keep saying she, but the husband and wife yes. duo, they um they jump right into it. Like it's you are right in the thick of the action and again maybe part of because i was on book 33 well my book
1: also started that way um which also might tie into it being 46 but i think you know that's a style of writing that they had um
0: and again not much explanation of like what these terms are and what they mean but still a lot of exposition i found the characters being like yeah so when rachel did this da, 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 da so trying to explain what has happened in the past 32 books to lead to where we are there's still quite a bit of exposition
1: so i did look into a little bit about how this series ended um and then in the interview that i found with Catherine. Um, she kind of explains the ending. So the, the series ends on a cliffhanger. And after mass criticism of the way that she left the book series, she came out and o- she wrote an open letter to all of the readers saying that she intended to show that in war, there are truly no happy endings. And even those who survive are irrevocably changed by their experience. Yeah which again shows how deep this author is trying to go with these topics that are written for children. All these things went, I mean, straight over my head. Even as an adult trying to read book 46, all that went over my head. There's no way. I didn't grasp anything except for that they were fighting.
0: (laughs) And it's a really unsatisfying way to end any story and especially when you know your audience by 54 you know that your audience is children and yeah that's a really hard concept to grasp as an adult and then to expect kids to be okay with that I see why people were upset apparently there's a quote on the last book that says it began with six it will end with five so it's obvious that someone's not gonna make it out of this group of kids and um, apparently towards the end of the series, all of their friendships dissolve and they all kind of hold resentments and negative feelings and
1: go on their separate ways. Isn't that trauma? Yeah. Mm. mm. Um, so I am interested, Monica, um, cause I know that we were talking last night briefly through text. We try not to talk a lot about our content until we meet. Yeah. Um, but how did you feel about the series after everything, you know, you actually, you finished the book, you made it through it, you did some research. How do you feel? I like it. Yeah.
0: I wish that I had been the type of kid to enjoy it when I was the age to enjoy it. Same. But I think I was reading American Girl books and maybe Goosebumps at the time, but this just wasn't something that I got into. Similarly, I wasn't big into sci-fi but i see it now as i'm reading as an adult looking back i see how i would have loved reading it and i would have totally gotten into it i was i i said i was i am a huge harry potter fan i was a huge harry potter fan i like those worlds the world building and i could see myself totally getting into this like i said i didn't read them as a kid either but i did watch the show and was getting like huge sentimental like, the, the dopamine kick was real when I was watching yeah. the Animorphs series. Yeah. I loved it. I remember having a crush on the main guy. I remember the girl specifically and, like, wanting to be her. Loved it. So I think I'm leaving it with positive feelings, understanding how and why this was important to a lot of people. Again, it carries some really heavy themes, and I think those probably would have just gone over my head, but the world building, I think, would have been perfect for me.
1: So I'm kind of the same way. As I went through, you know, it's not something that... I'm definitely not going to sit down and read the 54 books now. Um, But after going through the storyline and piecing it all together and getting a real idea of this and... It's just given me a newfound appreciation for it. I understand why it was so big. I understand why there's, there are these diehard Animorph fans. Yeah. Um, and who knows, I might be one of them eventually if I can get through the 54 books. But um, yeah, so for me, it was definitely not something in the 90s that I was huge into. I now have a newfound appreciation for the people that were able yes. to get on that level yeah. so early on. Exactly. Um But I also thought, you know, as I was going through it, I was like, this seems like something that probably would have been, and I'm going to be sexist about it. I'm sorry, you guys, but hear me out. It seems like something that would have been more like geared up for guys, for boys Mm -hmm. in the 90s. And so I did try to get an opinion of some fellow guy friends that we have um, that are from the 90s. And I was trying to see what their opinions of Animorphs were and what they remember about the Animorphs. And so one of them is my husband. I asked him, you know, did you ever read Animorphs? And he goes, I think they are a little bit over my head. Um, but he says, I definitely recall reading Goosebumps at that time, though. So he was kind of questioning, like, if he could conceptualize Goosebumps, why couldn't he conceptualize Animorphs? It's, I think when you have such a big series of books, it's less intimidating when each book has its own story. Yeah. So that, I think that was a big, you know, selling point, I guess, of Goosebumps. But um, another opinion I got was from a coworker. I won't mention his name because I didn't ask or gain permission, but uh, he was super excited to hear about Animorphs. He was like, oh my god, Animorphs! And it's like, he got that feel of nostalgia, and you could tell that rush. And then he's like, but I was more into Goosebumps. (laughs) So, even from the male perspectives that I was able to gain, seems like we all have decided that Goosebumps was better. Um, Now, I don't think that's a fair, you know, um, a fair statement to make um, just based off of three opinions of people that did not read all 54 books. Yeah, true. Um, but I think that also gives an idea of where maybe majority of us were at. I did see a few other comments as well throughout the Reddit sections um, where it was like you you had this big contrast between – diehard Animorphs fans and people that were like, mm, I didn't get into it. I didn't understand the morphing. I read one comment that was like that. And I was like, well, I just spent an hour looking into the rules of morphing. I can tell you. <laughs> so yeah. Well,
0: I think that wraps it up for Animorphs this week, though. We'd love to hear your opinions, your experiences. If you're one of those diehard Animorphs fans, feel free to reach out and tell us what your thoughts are. We always like to wrap up our episodes with a cringe real life 90s story. Um I've shared plenty of mine, Amy shared a few of hers, but she's going to grace us with just one more for this episode. So
1: take it away. Um so not really related to animorphs but definitely happened in the 1998 time frame we touched briefly uh, last week about Josh and how he said in the nineties, you know, you just, you would rough house and you would wrestle. And, um, he kicked one of his friend's teeth out and I had mentioned, oh yeah, me and my sister were rough. I'll have to tell you some stories. So I've been digging through the rough stories or rough wrestling moments that me and my sister had had to figure out which one I want to share with you guys. And there's a lot Um, we were three years apart and I was admittingly like the most annoying baby sister anyone could have had Um, I was just loud I mean I'm loud now but I mean I was loud and obnoxious and annoying 100% and my sister and I were left home alone a lot like that was just big in the 90s we were a single mom household and so we were left home alone a lot and lots of time to fight inside and get sick of each other um i'll tell you two one was in 1998 my sister asked me very excitedly if i wanted to play a game and i was the annoying little sister of course i want to play a game with my older sister she goes well okay it's called cowboys and indians okay i've seen this in cartoons and sure how do we play all right Well, let's go outside so get outside and she tells me to stand up next to a tree she says, do you want to be cowboys or the Indians? And I said, I want to be the Indians. She tied me to the tree outside.
0: What? In
1: New Hampshire. With what? Just in my, like, day clothes. Like, no, in like,
0: a... what is she? Oh, talking? oh, it was, it was
1: like, it was like rope. It was like a, like a jump rope. Like a jump rope. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And left me there. No. Legit tied me up. Like, uh, this whole time I'm thinking we're playing a game. Like, we're going to be playing a game. And she just tied you. Ruthless. Freaking ruthless. Was it winter? It was not winter, but it wasn't warm out by any means. I remember I was in, like, a light jacket. Um, and when she walked away, I like couldn't hear her footsteps in the woods anymore and I was like, oh no, she's woods? gone. Yeah I mean, that's where she tied me was like in this I mean well, I, say woods, in the, in backyard, I say woods. I say woods, but it was the your our apartment complex had a little courtyard in the back and it had all these trees in the courtyard. So it really was a little patch of woods. Okay. That, but I mean, it's not like a mile square block of woods, even. It's a tiny little patch of woods. But in the middle of that tiny little patch is where she tied me up to a tree and left me.
0: not that seen oh. in Heavyweights? Didn't they tie mm. uh, Lars? They tied Lars, the German Austrian camp counselor to a tree. Oh, geez. Did
1: they leave him out there? Yes.
0: I bet you she <laughs> saw that in Heavyweights.
1: Ah! When did Heavyweights come out? Was it in 1998? Because it was. It was like about, I was eight years old, roughly, second grade.
0: 95, so it she is. She very possible. much could have. She got oh inspiration. my god.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Well, fuck you heavyweights. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was one, um, just shows how rough we were. Eventually, she did. I mean, she maybe left me out there for like five minutes, but it felt like a lifetime. Yeah. And she came back and she took me down, and I was crying by that point oh and super goodness.
0: sad. My oh! Now
1: don't feel too bad. I totally deserved <laughs> it. I probably annoyed the hell out of her for for three weeks prior. But and then the other time, it was me and my best girlfriend. We were all in the apartment together, and my sister was with my best girlfriend's sister. Like they were sister. You know, they there was a
0: they were friends. They were sisters.
1: Too. She Like Mallory had an older sister, Wendy. Wendy was best friends with my sister. I was best friends with Mallory. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, we had friends like that, me and my brother, across the street. Uh There was a girl my age and a boy his age. Yes, see? They were best friends. We were best friends.
1: Yep, yep. So that's what we had going on. And Wendy and Allison locked me and Mallory in the laundry closet of our apartment. And you could move the – if you opened the dishwasher – Oh, no. It closed the closet. Like, you could no. not get out of the closet. So not just locked. So not just, like, closed the door. Like, oh. we were locked in there.
0: I probably would have had a
1: panic attack. Not only did they do that, they left Barney on VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left it playing, blasting throughout the apartment. And then they left. And they went outside and played outside.
0: Oh, yeah. my so. That's like psychotic level sibling rivalry. You know?
1: That's scary. That's like what imagine I grew up your with. your mom and walking in on that. Can you imagine being me and <laughs> having... <laughs>
0: That, that too. But still, I would be so concerned if I was a mom and walked in to see that.
1: My like, mom would come home and be like, knock it off. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> Allison, uh, no. we, we got something to talk about. Oh, my God. You're not allowed to kill your sister.
0: And, th- and that right there is the joy of having a, an only child, a single child. Yes. So um, if you have a story that you want us to share on the pod, feel free to reach out at 90skidbookclub at gmail.com or on any of our socials. Um, Feel free to rate, review, subscribe on any of your favorite podcast apps. It does really help. Of course, that's the like rate, review, subscribe that everyone says, but it does really help others find the show. Um, It helps us get a bit more exposure.
1: And it helps us gain feedback. Like if you guys you know, besides our crappy audio quality that we're already aware of. Um, If you guys have feedback or topics you want us to talk about, things that we can bring up, uh, we know that everybody has a story from the 90s, so do share with us.
0: Reach out. So you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Uh, we also have a Patreon. So there we cover any film or TV adaptations of books that we've read. There are multiple levels. Any support that you want to give to us, whether it's just listening, hanging in each week, getting through that audio difficulties. <laughs> but uh, any support is appreciated. So thank you all so much. And I guess that wraps it up for this week. We will see you next Tuesday
1: and TTYL. Bye. Bye.